Welcome to Alumni Voices, a new podcast from the University of Oxford. I'm Guy Collander, and every month I'll be speaking to a former Oxford student about their career, life after Oxford, and memories of their alma mater. For this second interview in the series, I'm in Chippenham at the headquarters of Good Energy, a leading renewable electricity supplier. I'm joined by the company's CEO, founder, and Oxford alumna, Juliet Davenport. Juliet, thank you for inviting me to your offices. Lovely to see you. We first met at the Alumni Weekend in Europe, in Vienna, back in April. It was then that you shared three major concerns during a panel discussion about the future of energy. What are these challenges? So I suppose um, part of the history of setting up Good Energy was um, we are a consumer response to climate change. So one of the key challenges I highlighted at the beginning of that talk was really about climate and the concerns we have about climate. Today, we emit about 50 billion tonnes of carbon into the atmosphere. Um, By the end of 2020, that needs to be 40 billion tonnes. It's a huge change in terms of the way we develop our countries and the way we generate power around our economies. Um, One of the major inputs into that CO2 figure is the energy sector. Um, And one of the reasons I set up Good Energy in the first place was to be part of that. One of the key concerns I put up there was CO2, and we need to do something about reducing CO2 at pace. The issue you have around that is that if that was your only concern, then we have all the technology in place to be able to do that. We know what to do. The other side of that is really very political. And what that means is that you have challenges like energy security, where your power comes from, and how that impacts on the um, global economics. And the other side is your energy bills. So the end consumer is the person that politicians worry about most because they are the people who vote for them. And how much they're paying for their energy is an important part of that. I think one of the mantras of most politicians is you never want the lights to go out. And that is a key concern for all politicians. So it becomes hugely political, this whole debate. And so for me, climate change is the key issue that we have to sort at pace. But at the same time, you have to figure out how you get through the energy security part and the energy bills part. And very much interrelated. Oh, completely. And you were one of the four panellists discussing energy. What insights did you gain from the debate? So I think it was really interesting. It was a a debate held in Vienna. Um, There were a lot of people very interested in Vienna itself um, in the audience. So when we stood up and started talking about carbon emissions and tonnes of carbon, um, I have to say some of the audience were looking a little so tired. Um, And I think one of the key things is we need to keep this debate live for a wider population. We need to be able to translate some of these figures and make them real to people. Otherwise, people really begin to switch off, despite the fact it's really key in terms of so many political decisions going forward now. And um, one of of the points that um, we are beginning to make is try to talk to people about what climate is doing. So one of the things about trying to reduce to the 40... Um, billion tonnes of carbon by 2020 is that that should keep us on a two degree C warming. If we go outside two degrees C, we've never experienced that as humanity. As a society, we don't know what that feels like. So suddenly we're in uncertainty realm. And I think once people begin to see that a little bit more and can actually visualise what that feels like, then the urgency that we need to do about climate change will come forward. So I took that away and then obviously the other panellists were very interesting in terms of what they said, bringing very different perspectives. 
So it's good that these discussions are being held, but so much more needs to be done. Completely, yes. And talking about these topics in Austria was very appropriate because Austria has a great reputation for renewable energy, particularly hydroelectric power. What can the UK learn from countries like Austria? So Austria was one of the countries I studied years ago, one of the first countries I went to see how their policies worked and how their renewable energy worked. And one of the key things you take away from Austria is that Austria is not only about electricity, it's also about heat. They have a lot of district heating systems, but they've also managed to integrate renewables very well into communities. So you can go into local communities in the mountains and what you'll find is they may have a central um, biomass heating system that the whole community will be responsible for. So they'll be on call at the weekends. So you have real integration with communities and I think we're still not there on that in the UK and I think we can learn a huge amount. It's the more we get people to be part of their energy system, the easier it will be to talk to them about changing that energy system from what we have today to what we need tomorrow. And you studied atmospheric physics at Merton College in Oxford in the 1980s and this led to your interest in climate change. Now you run a major and innovative company and your opinions are sought by government and the opposition to help shape energy policy. Can you tell us about your journey from the classroom to the boardroom? Yes, no, it was quite an interesting one. I mean, I, before I went to Oxford, I wasn't an environmentalist. I, I, had, I liked cars a lot, I drove a lot. Um, and it wasn't till I studied atmospheric physics in my third year that I really began to understand a little bit more about how the climate works, um, how sensitive it is, and actually the impact on what we were doing in terms of CO2 emissions. Um, and where that might take us in the future. So it really started from that point, that kind of slight eureka point in a rather dark room, probably in the physics labs. Um, but it got my interest immediately. Um, and I took it from there. It took a while, to be honest, because the renewables industry, I went to a, a talk in the renewables industry um, early on at that time. Um, and it was given by one person and we could all get into a small room above a pub. Um, the renewables industry today is a completely transformed business and it generates huge amounts of electricity for the UK. Um, so actually finding your way in was quite tough. Um, I ended up going to do an internship in the European Commission and then in the European Parliament on energy, which was brilliant. Gave me amazing insight and overview of the energy system in Europe. Um, and I got to meet lots of different European counterparts and find out how it works, especially the Norwegians. They tell you a lot about pipelines. So I then came back and I actually did a master's in economics to sort of complement my physics really, to give me that kind of more business side. I did that at Birkbeck. Following that, I then went into consultancy business and really set up good energy from there. Partly from the frustration of listening to politicians who were not debating the future technology issues. They were still stuck in kind of the current sort of debate around coal miners versus nuclear power stations. Whereas things like combined heat and power, um, energy efficiency and renewable energy were just not being talked about. And it was a real shame they didn't have that future vision. Um, and actually consumers are much better at that future vision, I think, than parliamentarians sometimes. That was really the background to the business. And I set the business up really to give those consumers a voice and be part of it. But always with the piece that we were trying to influence energy policy to make the framework for renewables more functioning going forward. So yeah, that's where it started and it's, it's been quite a long, it's been 15 years since then. It seems to have taken quite a long time, but uh, hopefully we're getting there. And now a huge company as well. I mean, I'm here in Chippenham, you yep. have vast offices. How many employees do you have? 
think around 300 now, um, which is which is which is great in some ways. I miss the days sometimes when I used to be able to say hello to everybody and knew who everybody was. <laughs> I can't claim that I know everybody's names today, um, but yes, no, no, it's a, it's a completely different business than it was 15 years ago, um, and that that sort of reflects what's happening in the market as well. And how does Good Energy supply renewable energy? We buy power from around a thousand independent renewable generators across the UK, um, ranging from power from a solar site just north of here, which is owned by the local community. We buy uh, some uh, biogas um, generated power from something called Wyke Farm, which makes cheese. We also buy some power off the cow shed of Michael Evis down in Glastonbury. So lots of different sites. We also have some of our own sites that we've invested in. So we do, we provide a marketplace for lots of independent renewable generators, but we also invest ourselves. So we've got two wind sites and six solar sites we buy power from as well. Um, So it's a kind of whole range. And we put that into the grid and then we balance that against our customer needs on a daily basis. And how much renewable energy does good energy generate itself? Because as well as buying in, you also have your own. So, so the total, the total amount that we generate and, and ourselves, but also supply, is around for around 50,000 homes in the UK and around 4,000 businesses. And we supply businesses from a whole range of businesses, from the Eden Project down in North Cornwall um, to Supergroup, Superdry on, um, on the high street. So it's a kind of really wide-ranging sort of type. So that gives you a sense of the size of the whole project. And then you've got your own wind and solar generating plants. Yeah. Which is about, which counts around 25% of that. So we, we aim to produce around a quarter of it ourselves and the rest from a general marketplace. And that was always the idea is that we do things in partnership with other organisations. Um, I think it's much stronger that you're not just trying to be the, the only solution, that actually if you work with multiple different people, then actually that gives you a much better total solution. And what is the potential for renewable energy in the UK? So it's really interesting. So the, the UK at the moment, um, I think it was last weekend, about 43% of our electricity came from wind and solar. Uh, it's summertime, so it's obviously slightly lower demand than winter, but still that's a pretty amazing number. I mean, I think this winter... Um, we saw in January um, about 14% of the electricity generated from wind farms in the UK. So we're seeing records smashed all the time in terms of the amount that's coming from renewables. Um, in terms of going forwards, though, um, I mean, we have done the work to look at uh, the UK could become 100% renewable. Um, and that, that is a challenging position, but we see that the resource is there. And you've investigated that and said that could be possible by 2050. Yeah. Do you think that's realistic? I mean, it's not just the science, it's politics as well. No, so that, that really is. So when you look at the science and the innovation side of it, I feel completely confident that we have the innovation capability in this country and worldwide to look at things like storage, um, to look at the Uber for energy, which would be kind of matching people's energy demand and people switching on and off demand-side management. Um, and some new technology breakthroughs to help us manage this situation. The issue we have is, politically, can we get there? And that really comes back to, are we, are we prepared as a society to move away from oil and gas and coal and actually embrace a new technological future? And that really has to be for us as a society to, to make that decision and move forwards. And you're hopeful that we're going in the right direction? 
Yes, I mean, I see, I think it's, it's really interesting. I'm seeing much more optimism around this sector than I've seen for a very long time. So the solar optimism we've seen with the significant drop in prices, I think that's given everybody a real thing to embrace because they feel that we can see solar dropping below traditional fossil fuels, which I think is a, a huge breakthrough and gives people that confidence that, yes, we can do it. Um, I think storage will be the next one. Um, I think storage has been fairly sort of stable, nobody's really worried about it. But with a lot of cars coming forward and some of the regulations insisting large cars need to be hybridised, we're seeing that innovation coming through in battery now. And I think that for me is the next big step. And there are many job opportunities in the renewable energy sector. What would you like to say to current students of your subject, atmospheric physics, and indeed other subjects related to energy? So I think what's really useful for companies, but also for individuals, is to go and see if you can do a placement. Um, I think it's fantastic. Anybody who's been a student, you have a fantastic time, you work very hard, but then working in a business is really different. And before you commit yourself to one business or another, I think it's brilliant to go and try and experience a couple and see how you get on. Um, We do placements here at Good Energy. We love having placement students because they bring new ideas, they bring real energy, and we can give them quite good projects to go and work on, whether they're here for a week or six weeks. Um, So I can't recommend more highly than to go out and find a business to work with. Organisations like Regen Southwest, Renewable Energy Association, Renewables UK will have a list of all the companies that work in the sector. Ring them up. Go and ask them. Great advice. And finally, as well as all your work, Oxford, what did you most enjoy about your time? So um, I have to admit, I spent quite a lot of time playing sports. So I played lacrosse for the university, which I hugely enjoyed. One, because you kind of learn to work in a team. Two, because you have fun with the people that you're playing with. Um, and three, kind of sometimes when you've been sitting in a lab, you kind of need to go and take some physical exercise just to get rid of it all. So yeah, no, I love playing sport. Possibly I maybe did a little bit too much sport. Um, I think my tutors might have felt that from time to time, but that I really enjoyed that. And, and I enjoyed my whole experience there, but um, the sport part of it, plus sort of my degree was great. Juliet Davenport, thank you very much for sharing your insights about energy and for explaining how your interest was sparked by your studies. For more information about the Alumni Weekend in Europe and the activities of the Alumni Office, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk. Thank you.